Uh, Jay Hotness says opinions on zero calorie drinks during prep and in the off season. Um, I, I just don't think, I think they're fine. I just don't think it's something you should do a lot of. So for example, if we're talking about diet Pepsi, diet Coke, stuff like that. I think you're always better off doing less than more. And it could be a digestive thing. could be the way it makes your gut biome could be react. It could be a lot of different things. I don't, I don't think it really matters. Like, I think it's okay. But I think if you're guzzling like two liters of diet Pepsi a day, it's going to become an issue. As long as you can drink stuff like that within reason, like, you know, like I used to do diet Pepsi. Like if I was really, really, really having a tough time with the diet, I'd drink diet Pepsi. So, you know, twice a week, something like that. It was, it was usually standard for me. It's definitely not something I would do every day. And, um, I can't tell you why exactly. I just don't think having extra chemicals added to your diet is a good idea. Um, I don't think like, you know, a lot of guys when they're dieting will cut out sweeteners and cut out everything in the last three, four weeks, because the more pure your food is, the better you're going to look is what we all kind of think. So adding all these chemicals from diet Pepsi or diet Coke or whatever to your diet every single day is probably not going to help you. I think, like I said, once a week, twice a week, it's fine. It's not a big deal. I don't think it's going to do anything at all. Kieran Brotherston says tips getting back into the gym when taking a year off from moving for work and unable to drive till now. Um, just get back. There's no, there's no secret. Like there's no secret to getting back to the gym. Like I had a tricep tear. Just get back. Like once you're, once you're allowed to train, well, it's free in your case, it's not an injury, but, um, once you can get back to the gym, just start going back. What I would say is those a few caveats to that is, you know, start back lighter, like a little bit lower volume, just get your body used to training again. Most important thing is just get used to being on a diet again, because you got to get the diet right first. That's the most important part. So I say the most important thing is get yourself used to being on a diet. And then after that, I think get back to the gym, but get back slowly lower the weight you're normally used to using, lower the volume overall that you're used to doing, do that. And every week, just increase it slowly. I think it's, but as far as like how to mentally get back to the gym, just go, just go and do whatever it is you're doing. And, um, you'll get back into the routine really quickly. In more than fitness says, when are your stops coming out or waiting for them out here? Uh, we got, Okay. We got pushed back a little bit because of compliance issues. So there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know because we're new. Um, there's a lot of stuff with the labels that have to be approved by the FDA and has to go through lawyers and has to go through the manufacturing plant. And they, everybody has to approve everything before anything can be produced. So there was a lot of approvals that had to go. You know, we had to get approvals from the ingredient manufacturers. We had to get approvals from the manufacturer. We had to get approvals from the lawyer through the FDA. We had to get approvals everywhere. And that took some time. And then because I am, a f I'm crazy. I decided I didn't like the flavors. Don't tell me why, but the last minute I was just drinking. I'm like, it's good. It's not bad, but I don't love it. And I, I want to love it. So I called the manufacturer and I said, look, I don't, I'm not in love with the flavor. I, I want to do this again. So 
we had like a one week setback because of the flavoring. So that wasn't a big deal. It was just, it was mostly the compliance issues with the lawyers and all that. So, but now we got the flavor bang on and all the compliance stuff is done. So we're going to start producing, but it's probably going to take eight weeks, eight to 10 weeks. So we're looking at March to mid March and hopefully we'll be ready to go. But I apologize to everybody waiting. I've been waiting. I'm excited to get things going. Trust me. We're working as hard and fast as we can. I have my, de- my designers are working like 24 hours a day. Everything is, is everything is full tilt, but without the sacrificing the quality. So we had to take our time to make sure things are done right, but we're working as hard as we can within that boundary. Khalil Kalani says, do you watch Joe Rogan's podcast? Yes. Almost every day. Uh, I think, Joe Rogan was probably the inspiration for this because I saw him do it. And I'm like, Hey, that's pretty cool. You know what? I think we could do that for bodybuilding. There wasn't really anybody doing long form interviews in body, in the bodybuilding space. When I started doing it, I think RX does more now. Like they they were doing interviews before, but now they're doing like, they're doing one hour interviews and stuff. They weren't doing that before. And, uh, Ron Partolo and Dusty have their show and they do like hour long videos too now. So I, I kind of feel like, I wanted to do that. I wanted to have that format in bodybuilding because I just didn't feel like anybody knew who the guys really were. And I want to get them on and talk for an hour so people could hear who they are. But yeah, Joe Rogan was kind of my inspiration for this. And I had a couple friends. Uh, one Jordan shallows was also, uh, inspirational in getting me started because he kind of kicked me in the ass and said, just do it. But yeah, so uh, Rogan's podcast is a, an important one in my uh, my entry into podcasting. Brody615 has a long one here. So I've done some of my own research, but would like to hear it from you. In your early days, assuming you came off, how long did it take you during your PCT to have your sex drive come back to normal? Thank you, man. Love your shit. Thank you very much, uh, Brodia. Brodia 615. To answer your question, uh, the sex thing, the sex drive thing is tough. It's weird to, it's weird to answer because it's not going to be the same for everybody. But for me, I've never had a, a bad problem with it. I've always been able to be fine. But there are obviously good times and not so good times. I found that if I was on a cycle for too long, it would start to affect my sex drive wouldn't be as good. So I kind of, that's almost like a marker for me. Like, okay, maybe I need to go off now. When I go off, I'm usually good for four to six weeks, if I, four weeks, and then it might start to taper off. Now, my issue is not that I'm not able to have sex. My issue is that my desire when I'm off, after the four-week mark, my desire starts to drop. So instead of wanting it like six times a day, I'm like, I could go without today. It's just a dramatic difference in desire, but not performance has always been fine. The only thing that fucked me up performance wise is DECA. Obviously, hence the name. I'm not going to say it, but um, DECA has always hindered my performance. So it's one drug I don't use, but um, I don't know how long it take my sex drive. Never. My sex drive came back when I went back on because like even right now, like I'm on TRT, I'm on two, 300 milligrams a week. My sex drive is fine, but it's not the same as when I'm on a thousand milligrams a week 
So obviously it's all going to be relevant to whatever you're doing, but I've never had a problem where my sex drive like went away. It just decreases a little and then it would come back on when I went back on. If you don't plan to ever go back on, then I don't know, man, that's like a, that's uncharted territory for me. I have always gone back on after a short layoff and that's when my sex drive came back. But uh, performance wise, never really an issue except for DECA, like I said. And um, desire wise, it's understandable. You're going to, if you're taking, you know, 500, 750, a thousand milligrams of test a week, and then you go to PCT, it's not going to be, you're not going to be wanting to bang every five minutes. It's going to be different, right? Like the fucking strong wind blows when you're on and you're like, okay, I'm ready to fuck. So it's not, it's not the same thing, right? Like it's not a bad thing. You have to understand. It's just your test levels are much lower. So you're not, see, it was never, it was never, I think if you start putting stress on yourself, that might affect your performance. It was never an issue for me because I never felt bad about it. I just understood that, okay, I was taking X amount of tests. Now I'm not taking X amount of tests. Obviously my sexual desire is going to be not there as much. Okay. Or sometimes not there at all for a week or two. But I always knew once I got back on, it was going to come back. And my wife understood that as well. So it was an issue for her. She just knew, okay, well, we're going to be off for a few weeks. It was actually kind of good for her because it gave her a break, to be honest, because I'm not fucking chasing around the house every five minutes. Uh, so it would give her like a little break for a few weeks. So she actually didn't mind it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think you just need to understand that if the dose is lower or the dose is not there, your sex drive is going to change. Um, Aaron, Aaron D Wood says, if working out six days a week, what's the best split? I've said this many times. There is no best split. Okay. So I just want to quick and short, sweet to the end, to the point. There is no best split. There's guys like JP who are doing like, uh, you know, push pull legs. And there are guys like Luke Sandow, who are training four days a week. And there's guys like John Meadows who are training six days a week. You know, there's super high volume guys like Jay Cutler and there's super low volume guys like Dorian Yates. It's different for everybody. You got to find what works for you. Uh, Tom Nim says, if you stay up really late one night and then sleep in late the next morning, do you worry about getting all your meals in the next day? Yes, I do. Um, Part of bodybuilding is keeping hours, man, keeping a regimen. But actually, that's why I like bodybuilding. See, some people don't like having a structure or regimen. Um, I, I like having that. So I'll give you an example. The last three weeks, for example, me and my wife have been going to bed at like 2 or 3 in the morning. I don't know why. It just it was like it went. It started, just started to creep up. Like It would be like 12.30 one night, then it'd be like 1 in the morning, then it'd be like 1.30, then it'd be like fucking – next thing I know, I'm like, it's 3 in the morning. I'm like – and I'm waking up at the other day. I woke up at 11 o'clock, man. I haven't woke up at 11 o'clock for, I don't know how long. So I said to my wife, I said, this has got to stop, man. Like, I don't know. We're just watching TV. Like we're not doing anything important. So I sat back. I, I just said it. I went to bed one night at 11 o'clock and I rolled around for fucking like an hour and a half trying to fall asleep. But I made sure I got up at like 7 a.m. So it is important. Meal timing is important but I'm not saying you should shorten your sleep to get in your meals. I'm saying you have to go to bed at a reasonable hour, make sure you can get in your eight hours 
get your good rest because it matters. You're gonna, it's going to help you grow, obviously. Uh, but that way you'll be able to make sure you get your meals in and not have to worry about it. But if you just fucking stay up all night and you don't eat all your meals and then you sleep in all day. Now, it doesn't matter. Look, if you're the kind of guy, like when I used to bounce, I'd go to bed at four or five in the morning. But I would be eating all the way until four or five in the morning. So I would wake up at like noon, one o'clock the next day. But it didn't fucking matter because my day was later. So the time of day doesn't matter when you wake up and when you go to sleep. What matters is if you're getting enough sleep and if you can get your meals in. So if, you, if you're going to bed really late and waking up really early, uh, that's no good because now you're not getting enough sleep and just trying to get your meals in. You got to go to bed early enough, wake up early enough so that you can get enough sleep, then make sure you get your meals in and you're good, right? But it doesn't really matter what time you go to sleep as long as you get enough sleep. If you're on TRT, how often should you donate blood? The donating blood thing is a doctor's orders, man. I, I don't think, look, just because you did some EQ or just because you, you're on TRT or just because you went off a cycle doesn't automatically mean you should give blood. Go to your doctor, get your blood work, get your blood work requisition. And when you get the, when you get the results, the doctor will tell you if you should give blood or not. That's the only way, man. I know guys right now are giving blood, don't need to be giving blood. And they're like, they're feeling dizzy and shit. They're like, just, you don't need to give blood every three months. Look, I didn't even, this is like a new thing. I didn't even give blood for like the first, I think the first time I ever gave blood for this reason was like two years ago. So I, I don't, let your doctor tell you when you have to give some blood. Mike, Mike L S U 91 says how much of the supplements out on the market actually are trash and what ones actually work. I'm not going to say which ones are trash. That's not, that's not, uh, it's just not my way. I like John's company, John Meadows company, granite. Cause I know John has a lot of integrity and wouldn't put out a product unless he, uh, put his, his full effort behind it. Uh, I like Seth Ferrosi's company because Seth is a bodybuilder. I, I guess I like all the bodybuilders companies. I don't like, and that's probably my bias, but bodybuilders are bodybuilders. They're not numbers guys. Right. So when a bodybuilder puts out a product, yeah, we, we want to make money. We all want to make money. But usually when a bodybuilder puts out a product and I can't say this for all of them, cause I haven't checked out all the products. I don't know what, I don't know what Dorian Yates puts in his or Kevin Laveroni puts in. I don't, I don't know what's in their products, but usually when a bodybuilder puts out a product, they want to put out something that they would use themselves. So I like buying, if I have to buy supplements, I like buying from other bodybuilders like Seth Ferrosi, uh, uh, Jeff Long has a good company, good dosing, good ingredients. Uh, John Meadows. Um, there's probably more on the list. I, I can't name them all right now, but I can't tell you the trash. What I can tell you is this. It's going to take you some time to learn the ingredients, but you have to learn the ingredients and learn what you're buying. If you're buying a pre-workout product that just is loaded in stimulants and it just makes you feel great at the gym because you're fucking flying high on five or 600, 700 milligrams of stimulants, that's a shit product in my opinion because over 375 milligrams of caffeine is shown to be a vasoconstrictor, meaning it constricts your cells. So it's actually reverse. It's doing the reverse of what you want. You're going to the gym to get a pump. 
you're not going to the gym to constrict that pump. So I don't want a product with like tons and tons of stimulants in it and shit. That's not my, you know, it's not my thing. I want a product that has valuable ingredients that are going to help me get a pump, help me get through my workout, help me maybe feel stronger, help me with my endurance. It's kind of the stuff that like, you know, and the, the companies I named, they have that stuff in their products. They have, they have those ingredients that will help you train longer, will help you feel a little stronger, will increase your pump dramatically, will give you a little bit, little bit of energy, but it's not fucking insane. That's just, it's just my opinion, right? But like I said, I'm not going to sit here and, and bash companies because it's not, I don't think that's cool. And, and I could be wrong. I don't know. I, I don't know all the companies and what they're doing. I just don't like super heavy stim products. And I also don't like, I like branded ingredients as well. Like if you look at Jeff Long's company, he uses a lot of branded ingredients. And the, the reason I like branded ingredients, when I say branded ingredients, I'm talking about like a, the example I used earlier with beta, beta alanine is generic or you can get the branded ingredient version of it, which is called Carnison. I like branded ingredients because brand ingredients go through a lot more testing and they have a higher, usually have a higher level of purity. And then I feel like if I'm paying for something, I'm getting what I'm paying for. And I'm not just paying for the shit they scraped off the bottom of the fucking barrel at some place. And they're like, here you go. This is the, this is our fucking beta alanine. It's the bottom of the barrel dog shit, but you can still put beta alanine. That's not, that's not the way I want to go. I want, I want branded ingredients that are, if I can help it, if I can, if, if I feel like it's, it's important that they're not, that the testing is better, the purity levels are better, everything's better, then I want to go that way if I can. So those are some of the things I would look out for when buying supplements. Seb Brents, I don't know what that is. Do you think how do you think you have good genetics or just above average but worked very hard? Um I think I have good genetics for putting on muscle. I don't know if I have good genetics shape-wise. Like I don't I don't have a beautiful shape like fucking Flex Wheeler. I don't have I don't have genetically great arms and great calves and great I had to work pretty fucking hard for the physique I built cuz I genetically took me a long time to build the thickness I needed. Like you see some guys, they touch a weight like, like Phil Heath, like Regan Grimes, like Ian Vallier, like these guys, like Antoine Valiant. These guys are like, you know, well, Antoine's older now, but these guys in their twenties, their early twenties were already fucking massive. They're just a very round and thick muscle. Right. I didn't really hit that stride till I was like 30, 32. It took me a longer time. I also started working out later. I didn't start working out until I was 20, but it, it still, it just took a longer time. Like even when I started bodybuilding, I had a friend who already looked, he's a pro. He's Lou. Jo I don't know if you guys know who Lou Joseph is, but he's a pro now and he hasn't competed in a really long time. I think he's retired, but he fucking looked almost the same when I met him in 19 as he looked as a pro that's somebody I consider have to have great genetics. Um, so yeah, some of us as pros have great genetics when we start and some of us as pros have to build through them. I believe the guys that get to the top five, the top five in the world are usually, if not always the guys that were genetically blessed to do this. 
And then the guys that work really hard can sneak in to the top 10, the top 15. They can make a name. They can get big. They can grow and do all the things they have to do. But I feel like that top five are the guys that have the work ethic and the symmetry and the ability to put on muscle all wrapped into one ball. And, and that's how you get to that very, very top spot. The rest of us have some aspect of those things, but maybe not all of them at the highest level. Jeremy Formosa says, do you believe in doing slowed controlled reps with tight form, focusing on squeeze of the muscle and not worrying about the weight within reason, trying to go heavy as possible within reason, which will cause you to risk your form and possibly not activate the muscle as much. What is your theory behind yours? Okay. Uh, long question, but I think you're basically asking, do you believe in slow controlled reps or more sloppier form, I guess? <coughs> I don't believe in slow controlled reps. I think they're boring. I think it's not fun. I think if your training's not fun, you're not going to be excited to go to the gym. Um, I also don't think you build as much muscle without explosive reps. So this is my, this has always been my theory. My theory is explosive on the positive or the concentric portion of the movement. Squeeze at the peak of the movement and control, not slow, but control on the negative portion of the movement. That's always my, the rep speed and cadence I'm aiming for in my mind. Power, squeeze, control, power, squeeze, control. That's kind of the way I think about all my reps. And I got that from, I got that from Dorian Yates. I got that from Dorian Yates. And I got that from a guy from Mike Coyle, who's the guy who started me in lifting. He used, he lifted the same way as Dorian Yates did. Cause he was, he was a big Dorian Yates fan. So he kind of taught me that, but that was their method, which is power, squeeze, control. And I adopted that. And I feel like that's the best way to do it. I don't feel like, slow all the time builds you the most muscle. I feel like you need that explosive positive portion of the movement to really get the muscle to fire hard and, and really grow. But I'm not saying slow doesn't work, but there's an element to fun to this too. If, if lifting sucks, like if it's boring, like if I go to the gym and I got to like, okay, real slow, everything's got to be really slow and really controlled. And it's got to be really perfect. It's got to have textbook form. I'm not going to want to go, man. I'm going to be like, this is bullshit. I don't want to do this. I got to have a little bit of freedom, right? There's, I think when I tell this to people when it comes to training, it's not just about fun. When it comes to your lifting technique, there's such a thing as overthinking it. If you're overthinking it so much and you're missing the power and rugged lift, you know, the grip it and rip it kind of feeling, you're missing something because there's something to be said for that. I mean, if you look at Branch Warren, Ronnie Coleman, like these guys are all grip it and rip it kind of fucking lifters. Like they're just hard, fast, powerful movements, not fucking slow and controlled. But then you look at Dorian Yates and you see somebody with that. That to me is the perfect technique. It's that power, speed, power, squeeze, control with good form. And, um, that's kind of the way I, I, I choose to go. But just to, just to reemphasize, don't overthink the training. Just train, man. Just train and try and use good form. If your form's not textbook, doesn't mean you're not going to grow. Make it as close to 
What I tell people, you know, people say, oh, Ronnie Coleman never trained with great form. Ronnie Coleman, Coleman could feel the weight. That's what matters. If, if you start out lifting with good form, you can learn to manipulate movements so that you feel them the way you feel them better, right? Maybe that way of the way Ronnie lifted, maybe that's what he felt the most. So I don't, I don't think just because you're slow and in, in perfect form and, and control, I don't think that's necessarily the right way to lift. I think that's one way to lift. Lorna IFBB Pro says, what's the best way to build lower lats? Lorna, I would love to explain that to you, but I will tell you this. I have a video on my YouTube channel that says, uh, I think the title is Five Best Back Builders or Five Back Builders, something like that. I go very in-depth in that whole video about how to hit your lower lats on various movements. So check that video out. Um, I got a really, really good response from people on it because I feel like I, I really touched on a lot of things that people aren't thinking about when they train back. So check that video out on my YouTube channel. Inza ma'am says recommendations on fixing a skinny fat physique, go to the gym and fucking train. I don't know if you're skinny fat, that means you're eating too much shit and you're not training hard enough. So <coughs> sorry guys, it's cold creeping back up on me. Um, if you're skinny fat, it means you're eating too much garbage, right? That's where the fat part comes in. And if you're skinny, it means you're not trading hard enough. So, you know, the very vague question gets a very vague answer. Go to the gym and work out. Eat less shitty food. Ben Thomas, 86, says, I'm about 20 pounds up on my bulk. Not too much body fat accumulated, but my appetite is stalling bad. Any tips on cranking up my appetite? Uh, yeah, I say drop all the fats out of your diet. So if you're taking an extra fat, like say from peanut butter, or avocado, or anything like that, Drop all the fats out of your diet and then lower your carbs a little bit and add in some cardio and also reduce the salt in your foods too. Not a lot. You still got to have, you still got to have salt in your food, but if you're salting a lot, reduce the salt a little bit. Those three things will generally kickstart everything. Uh, the, the last thing might be, you might be eating too much protein. Like you're eating 10 ounces of protein per meal. Might be too much. Scale back to eight or six for a little while. Get things kind of jump started again. Uh, a Lynette plastering says, how do you arrange your cardio for cutting 200 calories, seven days or 1400 calories in three days? I don't know what this means. I, I don't, I don't set up my cardio for calories. I don't, I don't look and go, well, the step mill said I lost 200 calories today. So that's enough. I set it up for time. So I'm not sure how to do this for you. Uh, I set up my cardio time wise. So I'm either doing 30 minutes, 35 minutes, 40 minutes, 45 minutes depending on how much, how much fat I got to lose. Nathan Caniff says, do you, do you worry about the bioavailability or otherwise fat-soluble vitamins when thinking about mixes or pills capsules? Um, no, I worry about the bioavailability of my protein, but I don't worry, worry about... I don't worry about the fat-soluble fat vitamins. Um, I don't know. I take all my vitamins with breakfast, so I, I don't think I have any issues there. Sorry, guys. Uh, it's a, a trick question, for, uh, not a trick question, but a bad answer for you. I, I don't know how to answer that question. Super Stevie says, I've heard mixed things about running HCG while cruising. What are your thoughts on this? 
I, I don't, I don't prescribe to this. I've heard this before too. I think if you're off, you're off. And if you're TRT, you're TRT. And if you're on a cycle, you're on a cycle. I think if you're going to run HCG, you're on HCG when you're off. I don't think there's a point in running HCG when you're running TRT. To my knowledge, if you're running a cycle, whether it be, if you're, if you're running any test, whether it be TRT or a full cycle, your natural production is shut off. So I don't understand putting in HCG really. It's really confusing to me. I feel like if you're using HCG, it's because of your, is you're off of everything and you're trying to jumpstart your natural test, natural production, test production. So I just don't, that's not my way of doing it. When I go off, I go off everything. And then I add in the HCG. If I'm not off everything, then I'm not using HCG. Zaza89 says, thoughts on Ronnie Coleman interview, more specifically saying he got all his gear from doctors. Do you think that makes the quality better than what is available today? I definitely think um, anything pharmaceutical is going to be better. It's just my opinion. A lot of people say it's not. Um, I just think if I can get anything from a, a doctor, I'm probably going to, I'd rather do that than get it uh, black market. But obviously you can't get everything that way. I don't know how Ronnie got everything that way. I don't, if you want the truth, I suspect that part might not have been totally true. It's probably half true, but um, I do think that if you can get everything on a pharmaceutical level, that's the way you should go. Joe Jones, 1008 says, have you seen Larry wheels, new training partner called Andrew? He's just now planning to start competing. He's probably one of the most developed guys to have not yet competed. How do you think you could do as a pro? I don't know who that is. Uh, I'll check it out though, but I, I, I don't know who, I don't know who that is yet. I am Scott. Oh, let's give that one. Cam VK says, what type of massage work do you guys recommend and how often? Uh, I'm always a fan of deep tissue massage. Uh, I also like the Graston's technique. Uh, that's pretty much, those are two, my two favorite. I recommend once a week, minimum twice a week. If you have injuries, CPL dirty says I'm 39 eating clean dialed in 40, 40, 20 macros, no gear. What is a reasonable amount of gain? is about one and a half pounds per week reasonable. Um, yeah, if you can gain a pound or two a week, that's great, but you're not gaining a pound or two a week of muscle, just so we're clear. You're going to gain a pound or two a week, but a fraction of that's going to be muscle. If you're, gaining, if you're gaining two pounds of muscle a month, that's a lot of muscle. Then you're doing good. Because think about it, that's 24 pounds in a year. 24 pounds of muscle in a year is a ton of muscle. Okay, so... You should be two pounds a week is good. One and a half to two pounds a week is good if you're putting on weight, but that's going to, that's going to, it's going to level off somewhere. You're not just going to keep putting on two pounds a week or you're just going to end up being really, really fat. So I don't think you should measure uh, your gains by weight necessarily. It's one way to gain, to gauge them, but you only want to go to a certain level. You don't, you don't want to get any heavier. Like if you put on, if your stage weight's say 180 and you're now 230, if you're looking in the mirror and you're not still lean, you probably should stop at 230 and try and gain muscle to get catch up to that weight. 
So like what I mean by that is if you're in a calorie surplus, you're in a calorie surplus. You don't need to keep boosting that calorie surplus and keep gaining weight, gaining weight, gaining weight, unless, see, this is why I always tell people there's more than one marker. It's not just the scale. If you're looking at the scale and you're looking at progress photos every week and you're looking in the mirror and maybe even measuring your body parts, now you have an accurate picture of what you're doing. So if you're gaining a pound and a half a week and you're like, shit, I still look as lean now as I did eight weeks ago, then keep fucking gaining the weight. Keep putting it on, right? But if you look at oh, eight weeks later or you know, three, four months later, 16 weeks later, and you've gained you know, a shitload of weight, and you don't look great. You're like, oh, okay, well, I gained all this weight. That must mean I made gains. But my pictures look like shit. My progress photos look like shit. My, uh, the way I feel in the mirror, my clothes are fitting like in the wrong way. And my girlfriend or friends are telling me I'm fat. Then you probably shouldn't put on any more weight. You should probably try and focus on building the muscle to keep up with the weight. You understand what I mean? So don't always measure by just don't measure your gains by just how much weight you built that week. Try and use two, three, four different methods to get an idea of what you're actually doing. Right. It'll help you far more than just looking at the scale. The scale is not enough to tell you what you're actually doing. Loaded guns. Are you going to come out with a mass muscle building trainer to go along with your hardcore supplements? Um, yes, I am. I don't know why my supplements are hardcore though. I think they're hardcore. Does that mean, I don't know know what makes them hardcore. They're supplements. I don't know. They're for, they're for real lifters. They're for people who really want really good ingredients and really care about what they're putting in their body. If that makes them hardcore, then yes, we are hardcore, but no, what, uh, before I got off on that nonsense, I was going to say, we are coming out with a muscle building trainer we're coming out with a, an off season. Like it's, it's a lean bulk off season trainer. That'll be something you can follow every day. Uh, I haven't decided yet if it's going to be four weeks or six weeks, but I feel like the off season's kind of, it's a little bit easier. So it doesn't need to be long. It can be like four weeks and it's enough time to explain what you should be looking for, what the, what exercises you should be doing, little tips and tricks during the exercises that will help you. I feel like four weeks may be enough time to give you guys an idea of how the rest of your off season should go. But we did consider doing six, maybe eight weeks. So we are going to put out a trainer. Um, and it will launch with the supplements when they launch. Hamza Drift says, do you train neck regularly? No, I don't. The horny nun says, how do you feel about Canada versus the USA? I've been dreaming of moving there once I graduate college. I love both for different reasons. I was born in Canada. I love Canada. It's a beautiful country. People are generally nice here, but I also love the USA. I traveled everywhere. I've been all over the U S you know, California, Texas, Florida, New York. I mean, I've been everywhere in the U S Tennessee. I mean, it goes on and on, but, uh, I love every state I've been to. I've been like, this is really cool. I like it here. So I can live in either place. There's not really a versus. It's kind of like, just kind of depends what you want. I feel like, uh, the U S is a little more freedom. It feels a little more, it feels a little more exciting. I guess Canada is a little bit more generic or a little bit more, uh, or a little more socialist, I guess. Kiefer David says, do you see the flat bench like Seth as a place for injuries where injuries happen a lot? 
yes, that's a common, common theme amongst bodybuilders that we all feel like the flat benches where you're going to get an injury, you know, a pec tear or something like that, if you're going to get one. But at the same time as saying that, I think I may feel a little different than other bodybuilders on this. I'm not sure. I feel like the flat bench helps you build a lot of mass. So I know people say incline bench, incline bench does, but I feel like my shoulders get involved. I feel like on a flat bench, I just get more, more pec, but it is true that, you know, I, I don't, I haven't really heard of anybody tearing a pec doing incline bench is usually always flat bench. So, you know, it's tough. Plus it's, you know, everyone's like, how much do you bench? So everybody always gets crazy on a bench. They don't warm up enough. They always want to do it first in the exercise, first in the workout when they're the strongest. They always want to bench as much as they fucking can. I almost feel like maybe it's not the exercise, but it's the people doing it. You know what I mean? Like, that's not true either though. Cause there's a lot of pros that have torn pecs. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I hate to, I, I really hate labeling one exercise as being bad, but I guess, yeah, there's enough people have hurt themselves doing that, that I could, you could, that's a, it's a pretty good statement to make. Tanner Magna says, do you think low volume training works as well as high volume? Like, will you see the same gains or will you see more on one? I don't think I have already kind of been through this with the, with the splits thing, with the training splits, I don't think it matters. I don't think it's not that it doesn't matter. It's that it's individual to the person. Like, you know, people say like, look at Dorian Yates. Dorian Yates was training really low volume and all stuff, right? But how do you know what Dorian Yates would look like if he trained high volume? Would he have been rounder? Would his legs would have had, maybe his legs would have had more volume. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying he's not one of the best bodybuilders of all time. I'm saying you never know really. Like if you look at Jay Cutler, right? Jay Cutler's the high volume guy. How do you know what Jay Cutler would look like if he trained like Dorian Yates? Would he be grainier on stage? Would he be denser looking? You never know, right? So I don't think there's a way you can say one is better than the other. Some people do like I look at some of Seth's workouts. Seth is a really high volume lifter. Like I looked at his chest workout most recently put up on YouTube and he's got like 12 sets of warm up before the even workout before the workout even starts, but you can't argue with it because he looks phenomenal. Right? So maybe the high volume thing is a way to go. But then you look at, at, um, Luke Sandow and you're like, guy's strong as fuck and he's huge and he does low volume. So it just depends on the person and what works for them. You gotta, you gotta find what you like and what works for you. Fazliff says, for contest prep, calorie deficit, do you start gradual or going hard from the start? No, I always go in gradual with a deficit, right? I don't think it's going to benefit your body if you're eating 4,000 calories to all of a sudden dump it to 3,000. I don't think that helps you in the fat burning process. I don't think it helps you retain as much muscle. I don't Actually, I think that's the opposite of what you should be doing because that's where I see most guys make a mistake is as soon as they want to get ripped, they just cut all their fucking food out and they're eating nothing. They're like, why, why do I look like shit? Because your body's starving. You cut way too many calories. Just cut a few hundred, cut out all the junk food and put in all the good food. And just, if your calorie, if your, your maintenance calories, including your workouts is 3,500, just cut it to 33. Let your body 
come down slowly. If you just cut a whole bunch of calories, you're going to go flat. You're going to start to lose muscle. Your, your body's going to, you're, you might lose fat for the first couple of weeks and your body's going to stop. And you have to start playing games with the manipulation of the calories. It's just, I, I just don't think it's beneficial in any way. Um, now, if you want to say, do I go in hard on the cardio? Yeah. That's one thing you could say. Like I have done diets before where I was like, okay, I got to start dieting. I start with two cardios, one in the morning, train in the middle of the day, one at night. And that way I don't have to do as much cardio later because I burned off most of the fat early on in the diet when I was eating the most calories. I let the cardio do some of the work. And then later on when I have to cut my calories really low, I don't have to do so much cardio because I already burned off most of the fat in the beginning. But just cutting your deficit really sharply, I don't think is a good idea. H1LDN says, best way to lose body fat and gain muscle. Eat clean food, train really heavy. Guys, the more vague the questions are, the more vague the answer's got to be. You got to come with something specific so I can give you a real answer. Kesbra says, hope you're doing well, bro. Do you think there is a future in natural bodybuilding organizations? I know it won't be no IFBB in a million years, but uh, I, I do think there's a future in natural bodybuilding organizations, not in a sense of are they going to be get, shelling out tons of competition money and all that stuff. I don't think you have to be... Um, a mass monster anymore to make money in bodybuilding. There's a lot of guys on Instagram or on YouTube or different social media platforms that are in great shape. A lot of them are on steroids, but they don't look like they're on steroids based on what people think you're supposed to look like when you're on steroids. Like they're not huge, right? But there are guys that some guys that are natural that are just shredded that are very interesting. If people are following that they're making money selling eBooks and, uh, podcasting and doing all these different things, coaching and everything else. And they're making money. So you don't have to be on a cycle and you don't have to be humongous and you don't have to be any of those things anymore to make money in the bodybuilding or fitness world. You can have a great physique, a great personality, give out lots of knowledge, uh, put out eBooks, do coaching, put out clothing, there's so many different revenue streams in bodybuilding. I, I don't know if that's where you're going with the question. Um, but it, that's kind of how it sounded to me. But as far as a natural bodybuilding organization, I don't think the organization itself will be ever as popular as IFBB or anything close to it. Cause it's like, you want to see the best of the best. Like if you're watching a race car, right? Let's say you're watching a race car. Let's say you're watching cars go down a drag strip. If one guy's like, well, I got a stock car and it goes down the track in 11 seconds. And this guy's like, well, I souped my car up. It's not stock anymore. I added some enhancements to it. And now it goes down the track in nine seconds. You're probably going to want to watch the one that does it in nine seconds, most likely. So it's just the nature of it, right? You're not going to watch. You're not going to watch football players that suck. You're going to watch football players that run a, a four, four, 40, you know, or a four second 40. And they're like 260 pounds. are still running four, four forties. And I'm like, yeah, I'll watch that football game. Cause those guys are fucking nuts and they're fast as fuck and they're huge. And they hit like crazy motherfuckers. Right. 
so it's the nature of the beast is the same thing with natural competitions. You're going to have all, I'm sure all the family and friends will be there and stuff, but it won't ever be as big as the enhanced bodies. The enhanced bodies are just going to be bigger and better. It's not necessarily better, but they'll be bigger. Eric Wolf 99 says, why do you have a coach when you are a pro bodybuilder? I've answered this question so many times for myself and for others. Every pro should have a coach. Okay. This is a professional sport, professional competition, professional lifestyle, whatever you want to call it. There is a lot of money to be made and won and lost and contracts and winnings and everything. And it would be very stupid and silly to try and run your life through trial and error. Why would I, as a pro bodybuilder, say, you know what? I don't want to use John Meadows anymore, this guy with years and years and years of experience. And he knows how my body works. We've already worked together for five years. I don't want to use him anymore. I'm going to do it by myself. Now, if you have a like a thing where you're like, I want to do one show alone to see if I can do it by myself. That's one thing. But if you're like, if you're trying to earn the most money you can earn and get the best placing you can get, you're going to want somebody helping you that knows more than you do. That knows what to expect. That knows. And plus it's not only that, like you guys, you don't understand. If you don't compete, you don't understand when you're prepping for a show and your calories are low and your hormones are all over the place. And you're like, the pressure is on because you could win $30,000, $100,000, whatever, and you have contract renegotiations coming up. You make irrational decisions. Oh, maybe I should cut more food. I feel fat. I should cut more food. Really, you're not fat. Really, you just, there's so much pressure on you. You think you should do more. And then what happens is you end up on stage and you look like shit. People are like, why do you look so small? Like, well, I over dieted because I felt a lot of pressure and I just thought I wanted to get more shredded. And instead I burned off muscle and now I look like shit. When you have a coach, your coach can look at you and go, look, man, you're shredded. You're not seeing things clearly right now. You're stuck in a bubble and you're just trying to trying to get as shredded as you can. Cause you're worried and you're nervous about the show. I'm here to tell you, you look awesome. Just stay the course. That's the benefit to having a coach. Usually the most benefit to having a coach is they can just see you the way you don't see yourself. Because when you have the prep prep glasses on, everything looks fucked up. You're, you're, oh, I'm not shredded enough. I'm not big enough. I look like shit. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's not rational. It's like, I'll give you a perfect example. I, uh, 2015 Vancouver Pro, I won this show. I'm sitting backstage and we're the show ran long. So I'm sitting back there and I posted about this a few weeks ago. I just want to tell the story really quick. So the show's running long and I feel like I'm shrinking. I'm like, John, I think I need to eat something, man. I'm like, I feel like I don't have that really full, full feeling anymore. I think I need to eat something. John's like, don't eat. I want you to dry up a little bit. You're a little watery. Okay. I didn't know I was watery, but okay. So half hour passes, hour passes. It's still nowhere near going on. I'm like, John, it's been an hour, man. I, I pissed a couple times. I feel like I'm a little harder. Like we should probably eat something. I want to like feel full. He takes a look at me. He says, you look fucking awesome. You're drier than you were an hour ago. And you're going to keep drying out if we just don't feed you. 
and your stomach will probably shrink even more. So let's just wait it out. Okay. Half hour passes, hour passes. John, man, the fucking still not ready for us to go on. I'm starving now. And I feel like I'm literally shrinking. He looks at me again, dude, you look like granite right now. You keep fucking getting harder and harder by the hour. Just fucking wait. And you don't look flat at all. You still look really full. It's only in your head. Okay, cool. I go on stage. I win the show. I leave. And all I have to do is thank John for that. Because if John wasn't there, I would probably stuff my face with a bunch of rice cakes thinking I needed to be more full. And all it would have done is probably blow up my stomach. And I probably would have been on stage watery. And I probably would have lost the show. So now that might not be everybody. Other bodybuilders might not feel like that. But for me personally, I get prep brain and I start thinking I need to do more than I am. I need somebody to pull me back. And that's the benefit to having a coach. They see you clearly with rational eyes and they can make decisions for you that are based on their experience from years of doing this. And they're not just guessing or whatever. It's actually, and the other thing I don't understand is why would anybody ask me this question anyway? Is anybody asking Tom Brady why he has a coach? Tom Brady has a head coach, has a quarterback coach, has an offensive coach. Nobody's saying to Tom Brady, why do you have a quarterback coach? You're the best quarterback of all time. It just helps to have a coach. Everybody should have a coach. It's not, it doesn't mean you're a shit bodybuilder. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It doesn't mean anything. It just means you're smart enough to let somebody else keep an eye on you. Uh, Amir Sill says, is it normal to have bit, a bit of a joint Wait, sorry, guys. Is it normal to have a bit of joint pain going through puberty at 15? Uh, I don't remember having joint pain at 15. I don't know, man. I think you should ask, ask your doctor. I don't, I don't recall having joint pain at 15. Khan Muda says, intermediate trainer, push-pull legs or bro split. Uh, I don't know what a bro split is. I know there's a five-day split that works really well for a lot of pro bodybuilders. And there's a push-pull leg spritz that also works well for some pro bodybuilders. So you just have to work with what's best for you. I'll answer a couple more, guys. I think I don't think I fucking... I didn't push start on my timer. So I think we've gone way over. Uh, Amato80 says, Did you have to get over stage fright or fear to do your first show? If so, how did you overcome it? Uh, I am a generally anxious person, socially anxious. So getting on stage in a pair of trunks in front of like 500, 600 people is like, it fucking terrified me. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Right. But after doing the diet and doing a lot of the posing practice, I started to get more excited to show the work I had put in. And it was still scary, but like I said, each week that went by, I got more excited to say, oh, you know what? My friends or family are going to be there. They're going to, they're going to see me. I want them to see me at my best. I wanted them to see like what I've been working on because I'm pretty proud of what I've been doing. And the closer I got, the more that feeling, I, I got reaffirmed that I, I wanted to, yeah, I want to show, I want to show my work. I want to show people. Mind you, I'm still terrified. I'm like, I want to show people, but that's going to be fucking scary as hell. I don't want to embarrass myself either. Uh, 
I think what it all came down to was preparation. And it's still, even to this day, it doesn't matter. You know, it's funny. It doesn't matter. It's easier to go on stage now because I know what to expect, but the way you feel on stage, the way you feel on stage is only as good as how you, how hard you worked. If you know in your heart when you're walking, about to walk through, you know, you're about to walk through the curtain and you're about to go on stage. If there's a moment where you're like, I don't know if this is like this forever as a bodybuilder. There's a moment before you walk out on stage where you kind of take inventory of everything you did that prep. And every bodybuilder, in my opinion, knows. I don't know if they all do it, but they all know if they fucking gave every ounce or if they cut corners here and there and they just kind of made it to the show. Before every, every show, when I walk up the stairs and go out the curtain, I've taken that inventory. Actually, backstage, I've been like, okay, man, I'm, I'm ready. I fucking worked my ass off. I did everything I could do. I, I did the massage. I did the therapy. I did the, I did the cardio. I fucking ate fish. I hate fish, but I ate it anyways. I fucking trained twice a day some days. Like, I fucking did everything I could do. If I'm in that state of mind, I can walk out on stage knowing I prepared as hard as I could. And even though I'm still anxious and nervous walking out on stage, I'm definitely in a better, better state of mind. It's still nervous, but it's like a nervous excitement versus nervous. Oh fuck. I look like shit. There's a difference. There's a difference between nervous excitement and nervous because you know, you didn't work so hard. Nervous excitement is, I hope they love it, man. I really killed, I really, I really worked as hard as I could this prep. I really did everything I do. I really hope that they, they recognize it. Nervous, because you didn't work so hard, is I hope they don't notice how shit I looked. I should have fucking worked harder. I should have done this. I hope I can kind of eke by and, you know, they don't notice as much as, as how bad I feel. It's like that kind of emotion goes through your head, right? And I've had both. I've had both. I'm not going to lie to you and say every show I worked my ass off. No. There's a couple shows I can think of in specifically that I fucking uh, I didn't give it my all. And there's one for sure I can think of. One for sure. And the sad thing about that show is I should have won that show. And I ended up in third and it was my own fault. And they even told me afterwards, you would have won the show had you been in shape. So the, the key to what everything I'm trying to say is this. If you're one of these people that's nervous about competing or wants to compete, but you're nervous about going on stage, just remember that that feeling will change the harder you work. The closer you get to your goal that you have in your mind of how you're supposed to look, the less that feeling will be nervous, bad energy versus nervous excitement. Because every day you're putting in that work for 16 weeks or 12 weeks or whatever it is. And every day you're getting leaner and leaner and leaner and leaner to the point where two, you're two weeks out and you're like, man, I fucking did everything I could do and I'm shredded and I'm ready to go. I'm ready for them to see this. I'm ready for them to, to witness all the work I did. Cause I put this work in, I want to show it to somebody. So you'll still be scared, but scared is a good thing, man. Use it use it to fuel your workouts, use it to fuel your cardio. That's what I would do. 
when I wanted to get off the cardio, when I wanted to get off the step mill early, be like 30 minutes in, I'd be like, I want to get off and be like, oh, you know what? It's enough. I wouldn't. Cause I'd be like, you got to go on stage in a few weeks in your fucking underwear and you're going to embarrass yourself if you're not shredded and you're not going to leave that legacy. So that would force me to do all my work. So use the nervous, bad energy to channel to your workouts, to your cardio, to your diet, to your everyday putting in the effort. And that energy will change to nervous, positive energy when it's time to go on stage. Okay, guys, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, I think that was like an hour and a half. I don't know since I don't have my timer set. But I hope you guys got some good info on that one. Uh, I think I got through quite a few questions. Maybe we'll come back for a part two. Uh, or I'll just do a separate one next week. But thanks a lot for watching, guys. And um, yeah, until next time, train your fucking asses off. Just do the work, man. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's watching. It doesn't matter who's there for you. You're the only one that can do the work. You're the only one that can eat the meals. And you're the only one that's going to go to the gym. No one's going to do the shit for you. So make sure you get it in. Make sure you work your asses off. Until next time, thanks for watching, guys.